Well, hey, it's David, and I'm the host here of In the Growth Space, and I am really grateful to have you here with me again today. Well, hey, we're making our way into the new year. Uh, we're already in the second week, and it's, it's again, really great to kick off the year with um, some really amazing conversations, and I've got another great one here today, but before I get into that, let me just say that, uh, and I said this last week, but I really do hope that you've set for yourself some really challenging and meaningful goals because that's what helps us to continue to move forward and continue to grow when we have goals, when we have objectives, and we have something to move towards. And you know, this episode is really going to give you some, some practical tools to make progress toward those goals. So today, my guest is Dr. Steve Swavely, and uh, he is a neuropsychologist and a neuroscientist who really shares some practical ways that leaders can understand and, and even use the science. And, and Steve says that great leadership has to evolve through a journey that's not easy and it's not simple, nor is it fast. And the journey entails learning who you are as a person and how that person shows up in your leadership. And all his life, he's been fascinated with the concept of optimizing human performance. And that fascination has driven the desire to optimize his own physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual capacities. And it's also led him through a long and satisfying career that led uh, an amazing senior level team within an exceptional organization. And in that role, he had the privilege of working with hundreds of senior level leaders with dozens of different industries and, and helped them lead their own teams more effectively. Now, Steve has a PhD in clinical and neuropsychology, and he's on a mission to provide leaders with impactful leadership solutions for their specific team and organizational challenges. And we have a fantastic conversation around neuroscience and neuropsychology and what they are and, and really why leaders need to know a bit about them and, and, and what, they, what they can do for them in their own leadership. And so let's just get into that conversation right now with Steve Swavely. Well, hey, Steve, welcome to In the Growth Space. Man, I'm so glad to have you here. Really looking forward to this conversation today. Well, thanks for having me. You know, I love talking about this stuff. So um, if at any point you need me just to shut up, you can give me the <laughs> signal and I'll, I'll pause. No, no, it's great. I, I love this stuff too. And, and you know, I think there is, um, uh, you know, in, in, in the world of leadership, I think that sometimes we forget that, there is a science to leadership and, and, and you, you know, have really devoted your life to neuroscience and neuropsychology. And I, I'd like to start with this place of like, what is that? What is neuropsychology? What is neuroscience? You know, and let's start there. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, and um, I get asked that a lot in the business world. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, my background is in neuropsychology. I was I was um, a clinical neuropsychologist for many years. And uh, gosh, I guess about 20 years ago, I made the shift bringing neuropsychology into the business world. And so and back then it was like totally new. Uh, right. Nobody was really doing neuropsychology in business. Um, 
But the, you know, I, I like to use the analogy of a computer to describe neuropsychology and how it applies to leadership and business. Okay. Um, think about um, a computer. And there's two important components of a, of a computer. One is the circuitry, the, the actual physical computer itself, the silicon chips, the hard drive, the, the, the memory board. That's, that's the brain. That's your, that is your, that's the neuro part. Yeah. And then there's the programming that goes into the computer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is the mind, which Mm -hmm. is the psychology piece. And I've always said, you got to have an understanding of both of those to really understand people, how the brain works and how the mind is organized and how it's programmed. Mm. And when you bring those two things together, it really helps you understand people relationships and, and and David that's what leadership is about it's yeah. about building relationships yeah for sure yeah because w- one of the questions was going to be like why do I as a leader need to know this stuff but you just honestly in your answer you answered that because look we're working with people and people are made up of the hardware and the software and I, I don't think we recognize that so often is that we we as as human beings have been programmed our our mind part the psychology part has been programmed and so as leaders that's i i think that's what makes leadership so so tough uh, you know so often is that we have to understand each person's programming. It's not like we can go and, and we, we have a Mac and we have a PC and we know, you know, this is the way it's going to operate or this is the way it's going to operate, right? I mean, there's a lot of nuances. I love that analogy because in a lot of ways, that's exactly what leadership is about is, you know, sometimes I'm working from 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 um, a Mac and someone else is working from an Apple and yeah. the two, you know, yeah, they mesh, but you got to know how to make a mesh. And that's what yeah. a leader has to do is bring those two programs together. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so how, how do you see this played out? Or what's what's the like practical application as we look at at leadership and maybe even, you know, in growing our team or, or creating a high performing team? How do we approach this whole area of neuroscience and, and how can we use it to really help us grow our teams? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big question. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think um, your comments earlier about the importance of relationships um, is key. We know that many leaders today get put in their leadership position because of their technical expertise. Yeah, true. they're really good at whatever it is that that technical piece of their business is. You know, and it might be an engineer or um, a, a computer programmer or just someone with a great business mind. Yeah, and they have that capacity to to operate from that technical perspective. But when you get put in a leadership position, you have to get things done through people. And you got to have that capacity to mm. build relationships. And, and I think where neuropsychology can really help is giving folks that are really good technical leaders the capacity to build their emotional intelligence or their relationship intelligence, as I like to talk about. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think there's lots of areas that that can, that can play in. Um, 
self-awareness is uh, a big one. Um, being aware of going back to our, our, you know, Apple versus, uh, you know, a, 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 a different kind of program, um, being aware of what's the program I'm running from and what's the program they're running from, mm-hmm. um, how to motivate people, how to communicate with people. All of these things, neuropsychology has something to offer a leader to help them be better at being a, an effective leader. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, like practical applications. You talked about self-awareness. I know there are a lot of tools to be able to gain that self-awareness. You also used a, a, a phrase or a, you know terminology, emotional intelligence as well. I know there's there's a, a couple of different places we could go with this, but but from a self-awareness perspective, what can we as leaders do to recognize um, and, and, and become better at knowing ourselves, you know, and, and improving our own self-awareness. What, what can we do there? Well, there's a, there's an almost infinite number of ways that you can increase self-awareness. Okay. Um, let me back it up and kind of take it from a bigger perspective and then okay. dig down into your question, maybe yeah. more specifically, but um, I like to make a distinction as a leader, you have to know not only what to do, mm-hmm. but also how to be. Mm. And yeah. so mm. um, I may know the steps to um, be a good delegator, or I know I may know all that there is that I need in order to create a vision and to communicate a vision. But how I how I do that myself as a leader, I can do it in ways that people are receptive to it, mm-hmm. or I can do it in ways that people are resistant to it. Yeah. And so a big piece of self-awareness is knowing how you're coming across and delivering mm-hmm. your message. And are you coming across in a way that people um, have opened up their mind and they're receptive to your ideas? Or have you approached them in a way that their mind shuts down and they put up a roadblock? Mm-hmm. And self-awareness is all about understanding how you're coming across in your leadership, delivering your message, um, working with your team. Yeah. You know, and, and then, you know, the question you asked, you know, what, are, what are the practical things you can do? Yeah. Um, you know, at the very basic level, it's understanding um, what motivates you. How, what are the motivations you have? You can, there are assessments you can take. You know, there's, sure. there's an infinite number of assessments yeah. that you can take. They're all very valuable because they give you a little piece of information about who you are as a person and how you approach making decisions and how you approach solving problems and how you approach conflict. And the more that you can gather on that, the more uh, uh, um, effective you are as a leader. But assessments only go so deep. Um, And and part of the reason for that is because who's completing the assessment? (laughs) It's me. me. I'm describing myself. Um, (laughs) And it can help open up some blind spots. But I think if you take it one level deeper, and that's to go to a 360 assessment, where you're having your people tell you how they are experiencing you. Yeah, and that really gives you some really good feedback about how you're coming across 
that may be a blind spot for Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I know that I've, I've heard um, John Maxwell ask the question or tell, tell people that one of the most valuable questions we can ask our team is, you know, hey, what's it like being on the other side of the table from me? And, you know, what you're describing in a 360 um, assessment is exactly doing just that. And I think that's really valuable because it's a valuable piece of, of, of information that we need to know. And if it, and we need to be able to make it safe for the people to also respond to that. You know, I think that there's a lot of leaders that could ask that question, but I'm not so sure that the people they're asking it will be that you know, responsive and, and open, you know? Yeah, that's a great point, David. You, you know, making um, a safe environment for people to give you honest feedback is really critical. There's there's something I call CEO disease. <laughs> um, and CEO disease is where you're the last person to know bad news because no yeah. one wants to bring it to you, right? Right. And, <clears throat> you know, a, a big piece of what neuropsychology and self-awareness does is help you understand how you, um, how approachable are you as a leader? Mm. And are you someone that people can be honest with? Can they trust you with, with um, real information about how they're experiencing you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, you know, assessments are one way to get at that um, because they can be anonymous and people can create a little safety that way. Sure. Um, and I, I encourage leaders I work with to go have conversations with their team yeah. and to you know, ask three questions. Number one, what what should I keep doing? What's working for you that I'm doing? Mm-hmm. What should I stop doing? What is it that I'm doing that is getting in the way of us creating a, a successful organization or a, you know, a powerful team? And um, what what should um, what should I um, continue doing? You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what is it that I need to continue doing, but maybe build on and do more of, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, so it's what do I keep doing? What do I stop doing? And what do I build on? What am I doing yeah. that, I can, that I can build on? Yeah. And how you respond to their feedback is critical. Uh, yeah. What I tell people is when you have that conversation, take notes and ask lots of questions don't blame don't explain don't try to rationalize all you want to do is say thank you let me make sure i got that and repeat back what it is you're hearing Mm -hmm. then go away look at those results and figure out okay what can i do better a better job with go back to your team say guys i heard you guys and gals you want me to be a better listener and so I'm going to be working on being a better listener and I need your help. When you see me doing it well, give me the thumbs up and say, thanks for listening, Steve. Yeah. And when you see me not doing well, give me the thumbs down and say, hey, Steve, remember, you're supposed to be working on your listening. <laughs> if you do that with your team, you are going to create trust. You're going to create a safe environment where they're going to be able to feel good about giving you feedback. And most importantly, they're going to know that the feedback that they're giving you is being acted on. It's not being right. ignored. Yeah. And if you do those things, it's very, very powerful. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and I think that um, 
the way you described it and just being able to go have these conversations with our team anymore, there's so much communication that doesn't get done, you know, either in person or over, you know, uh, virtual uh, where we've got video. But I think I think being in person and actually asking those questions, and I like the, is it, well, first of all, is it, that's really important. But second of all, I like what you said about improving on, you know, listening to what they said and then com- coming back and taking action on it and, and really doing something about it. Because so often I think we can say something or hear something and not do anything with it. And and I think what I hear you say is, if I'm that CEO or if I'm that leader of a team, I need to really block out some time and I really need to be able to figure out what am I gonna do about it? Uh, I, I loved your three questions. That's that's really that's really great. There was a, there was a fascinating study that was done um, where they looked at the effectiveness of 360 feedback uh-huh. and how it actually changed a leader's perception on their yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and they did this study with several hundred leaders, a pretty good sized group of, of leaders. Um, and they, they put the leaders into three groups. One group got feedback and did nothing with it. Just, you know, went and asked their team, what can I do better? They took notes and then they didn't, didn't do anything with it. Do anything. Yeah. The second group took notes and came back and said, okay, I heard you and here's what I'm going to work on. Mm. And that was it. Mm. The third group took notes, came back and said, here's what I'm going to work on. And then periodically checked in with their team and said, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I making progress? Yes or no? So they took Mm -hmm. it upon themselves to go back and check with their team. The results were significantly improved for that third group. Mm-hmm. The other two groups, not so much. And in fact, the first group, it actually, the results actually went down sure. because, it, you know, people are like, well, you know, why should I get feedback? Because he doesn't do anything with it. With it. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't listen to me. He just right. took it and walked away. Yeah. It, it's in, from a, from a neuropsychology perspective, it's what I call the shaved mustache syndrome. <laughs> and, um, it's you no. Know, if you ever had the experience of you know somebody that has a mustache, right? They shave it, and you meet them, and you go, you see him, you haven't seen him in a while. And you go, there's something different about him, but I'm not quite sure what it is, right? Right. And then they go, well, I shaved my mustache. You go, oh yeah, it's, of course, it's yeah. it's obvious. I should have seen it, right? Right. And here's the importance of that: is that when you make physical changes in yourself, people don't always see it. When you make behavioral changes in yourself, it's sometimes really hard for people to see it. And so what will happen is you'll make the change and um, people aren't seeing it. They're not seeing it. They're not seeing it. You're doing the new behavior, but they're not seeing it. And then all of a sudden you slip one day and you go back to the old way. People go, oh, there it is. He's still doing it. And they don't recognize the progress that you've made. And by going back and checking in with people and saying, how am I doing? It really, it, it, it encourages them to pay attention to the changes that, that um, are either happening or, or not happening. Yeah, that's, that's really a fascinating. Well, it, it, it actually triggered a thought and maybe even a question in my mind. Um, 
about neuropsychology and neuroscience and and that is you know talking about change how can so how do we use this to our advantage so let's say i'm that leader and i you know i hear my people i i i i i take the the feedback i want to make change how do i use the neuropsychology the, the 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 software and the hardware pieces together to actually make that change. What's the what's the secret to that to that success? Yeah, you know, I mean that that is that has been the <laughs> the downfall of so many leadership development programs and mm-hmm. uh, initiatives. Is we go in and we learn some really cool tools and we walk away and we don't apply it. We don't right. use it. Or we try it and it doesn't work right away, yeah. and so we abandon it. Yeah. And you know, I used to tell people when I when I was working with them, when I was coaching them or doing the program, I would I used to say, "You're going to get a lot of information here today. I'd like you to pick one, two, maybe three things to focus on." Mm-hmm. And what I have learned is, two and three are too many. Yeah. Pick one. Uh, pick yeah. one thing that you're going to work on. Make it public that you're working on that mm-hmm. and then go full speed at developing that new behavior and get your team involved so that they're giving you feedback along the way and they're going to hold you accountable. Yeah. And the interesting thing happens when you pick that one behavior, let's just say, let's just say you're going to improve listening. We can talk about that. When you do that, there's a bit of a halo effect in that all of a sudden other things begin to improve. Right. Mm-hmm. When you become a better listener, now collaboration improves in your team. And when collaboration improves, now conflicts reduced. And when conflict gets reduced, productivity goes up. And so you've made one little behavior change and it has this reaching effect that can be very positive in a team or an organization. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think, you know, the, the big mistake many leaders make is they have this laundry list of things they're going to work on and they get overwhelmed, they get busy and the list goes on the shelf and it never gets revisited. Yeah. But if you just pick one thing and you make a really, really simple way to measure it, then that's going to be, that's a, that's a critical piece to being successful in making a behavior change. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. Uh, I, I think it's so important to to success at a lot of things, not just behavior change, but really even success at achieving what we're we're you know say we're going to do and what we're looking for our mission for our organization, for our team, what have you. Because so oftentimes we have a laundry list of the to dos and none of it gets done. But if we focus on just the one thing and then we accomplish that, then we can go on to the next thing. But we've got to accomplish that one thing first. And um, when we see too many things on that list, we get overwhelmed. Like you said, we throw throw it on the shelf and, you know, I'll get to it someday. (laughs) Yeah, there's some amazing um, chemical changes that happen in your brain when you have success with something. Mm. You know, dopamine gets released, serotonin's yeah. released. There's a sense of satisfaction. Mm. You get a little endorphin going on. You build some relationships. A little, little oxytocin gets input into your brain, yeah. and all of a sudden, you've got this chemical cocktail in your brain 
that lifts your mood, increases your motivation, and helps you think more clearly. And mm. so making that, that, ch- that little change can have an exponential growth component in your, in your, in your leadership yeah. just because of the momentum that gets created by it. Yeah, you know, I just, I, as, you're, as you're sharing that piece, I, I think I just made a connection that I, I, I hope our listeners caught as well because if I'm hearing you right, if I make progress on just that one thing, that gives me the momentum. So that's the that's kind of in my my terms, not yours. That's the software piece that I'm I'm actually putting into place. But then what you're saying is the hardware piece kind of comes in and checks in and like there's some things going on in my hardware, my brain that are are taking place. I've got the oxytocin, I've got the dopamine, I've got those those cocktails coming together. That then helps me to be motivated to do something else. So it's almost like a cascading effect, right? And, and and I don't know if maybe maybe I'm not understanding things well, but I mean that connection is what I thought I heard you say. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great description of it. In a sense, it gives you endurance oh, to yeah. go through the the necessary time needed to create a behavior change. Yeah. Um, yeah. Behavior change it takes it takes time and it takes effort. And if we don't give it either of those two variables, uh, we're not going to be successful. I like to use the analogy of the stock market when I'm working with folks and I'm telling them, um, okay, here's the thing we're going to focus on. Now, as you make this behavior change, don't expect it to be a nice, steady, upward, accelerating growth path, right? You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. (laughs) It's going to be up and it's going to be down. But long term, the trend is up. And so when you have those bad days, when you blow it, when you walk away going, oh, man, that's not how I wanted it to go. Yeah. Don't give up on it. Right. That's just part of the learning curve. Yeah. And it's it's part of also that awareness piece to become aware of when, mm. when I hear people say I blew it. I go good because now you're aware of it right. and now you're aware of of what can trigger you blowing it. Yeah. And so we begin to become more and more aware of the things that can send us off the deep end and be prepared for them or manage them in a different way when they show up in front of us. And yeah. so it's just all part of that learning curve. Yeah, yeah that, that's such a great that's such a great um, way to describe especially behavior change because I think that too often as leaders, we think that, we're just gonna tell people to do something, and it it changes immediately, and that's not how it happens. You know, people people are gonna change, but it's gonna be over time. They're gonna have their good days, they're gonna have their bad days, and so we have to be able to manage that trend and look at things from a trend perspective as opposed to an individual Wednesday. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, you know, and you know, David, you made a really uh, an important distinction there. It's not just about self-awareness, right? It's about other awareness, being aware of where they're at and recognizing that um, just telling people what to do, that's not leadership, right? Right, exactly. I I remember I was was working with an engineer, um, not, you know, engineers, um, my dad was an engineer. And so I'm not, this is not a dig on engineers, but (laughs) we were having a discussion about engagement and how to engage your team and, I mean, this guy was 
very proficient engineer. He was a divisional leader in a, in a, in a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about engagement. And he, he, he soaked in the conversation. And he paused and he said, why should I care if my team's engaged? Aren't they just supposed to do what I tell them? <laughs> and, you know, this is a guy that had no real awareness of yeah. not just how he was coming across, but how his team might be receiving him. Yeah. Um, and the good news is through some work, we developed some of that. And, um, you know, he, he, he's now, a, he, he's no longer just a divisional leader. He's a, he's a global leader in a, in a company that's, um, that's a, you know, worldwide uh, aeronautical company. Amazing. And it's a great example of how we can hit a ceiling if we just stay with our technical expertise. Yeah. But if we develop some of these people skills, it can mm-hmm. create a whole nother trajectory to our leadership effectiveness. I think that's a really, I, I think that's really good to, to, to pay attention to for, for, for our listeners, especially if you're an emerging leader and you have great technical skills you know you you may have been tapped to to lead people now and now you're trying to figure out that whole aspect and i know it's difficult so diff, the the, the I, i've been told too that we get paid in 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 correlation to the problems that we solve right greater the problems we solve the more we get paid and so as an emerging leader i need to pay attention to those people problems because those people challenges that we have are big because at, at, at every organization, the thing that holds us back are, are ourselves, our people. <laughs> and so if we can solve those, I think to your point, we're going to have a trajectory in our career that's going to be really um, a really good ride. You know, I think that's key. Um, <clears throat> technical problems are easy to solve mm-hmm. relative to people problems. Right. And so what happens is because technical problems, they're easier, they're more concrete, they're comfortable to solve. That's where leaders go is let's let's look at this from a technical perspective. Let's put a process in place. Let's put a structure in place. Let's create a new system. Not bad. It's just incomplete if we don't also look at, okay, what's the you know, what's the people side of this? Mm -hmm. How do we how do we look at relationships and make building relationships a part of the solution. Now I have, I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with leaders at all different levels of an organization. And I find um, that there's, there's a trend. I don't have any real hard data on this, just been an observation. But what I've seen is that people, when they first get into a leadership role, the first thing they have to do is make the shift from being, what I call tactical to being strategic. Uh, what I what I mean by that is, it's not just about me and my needs and doing what is tactically the right thing to do. It's about stepping back and looking at the bigger picture. What's good for the organization? And sometimes what's good for the organization may not necessarily be the best thing for me or my team, but uh, if I make that strategic shift to be aware of what's good for the organization, mm-hmm. then my career gets past that plateau. People mm-hmm. that can't make that shift, they get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Their career yeah. gets stuck. Yeah. Once people make that shift and they're like, okay, now I'm strategic in how I approach things, the next plateau they hit is being too task oriented. 
and not relationship oriented. Mm. And once they, like, just like that engineer I was describing, once he got, oh, I got to not just have great technical expertise. I also have to have people expertise. And they begin to build some skill sets around that. Their career takes off again. Mm-hmm. And then we get into a, 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 an interesting phase of leadership, career development. And that's kind of the final stages of a career. And the shift that people have to make there is going from being achievement oriented to purpose oriented. Yeah. You know, it's not just yeah. about getting things done and, and building up accomplishments. It's about what am I doing to contribute to my organization, my community, humanity? You know, how, how am I contributing? What's my purpose? And the, the amazing thing is that if once people get to that level of leadership, that's where they really become successful. When they take their eyes off accomplishment and they start focusing on purpose, wow. their success just explodes. And, you know, one of the things I try to do is, is let's take out those plateaus. Let's help people move from the tactical to the strategic, from the task to the relationship, from achievement to purpose. Yeah. And take out those plateaus and accelerate their career growth. Man, Steve, I, I think that is so powerful. When, when, when we look at taking out um, the focus on achievement and going from achievement to purpose, I, I, like, is there any? Well, first of all, I think that's 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 so powerful, and it, you, you're right. I think it it, it happens te- typically, probably later in our career stage. But I guess my question is, how can we do that now? How can we change that? You know, that focus. Because let me let me just say, like, I I'm a guy that I love achievements. I think you know, offline we talked about you know achievements and you know doing things like triathlons and I know you're a mountain biker and we've done some similar things those are fun you know to be able to hit those marks and and, and achieve those things and it's almost like there's a you know kind of going back to the chemical you know cocktail that goes off in the brain there's something that happens there but how do we shift that and and maybe make that cocktail go off in our brain around purpose is there something to that is there a switch that we can make yeah, you know, I mean, uh, there's a there's a whole neuroscience behind purpose, mm. and you know what you know what happens in the brain when we're pursuing our purpose versus pursuing um, a, a, an achievement oriented goal. It's mm-hmm. a very different brain chemistry. Interesting. And as you were talking, you know, one of the things I think it's important to really emphasize is that it's not that tactical is bad and strategic is good. You got to know when to do both, right? Sometimes uh, yeah, you got to sure. be tactical. Sometimes you got to be strategic. Yeah. And good leadership is is able to make that distinction. This is a place I need to be tactical. This is a That's place right. I need to be strategic. Same with um, task relationship. Sometimes you got to be task focused. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people misunderstand my message. They say, oh, well, if I just focus on relationships, nothing gets done. Well, no, it's not about just focusing on relationships. It's about balancing those two, right? Sure. Getting things done through people. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for that achievement purpose piece. It's not about not, you know, achieving things. It's about balancing your achievement with your with your purpose. Mm-hmm. I would say there's two things you got to do to be able to, to balance those things. One is you... It's very important to learn to manage your own emotions. 
And I say that because it's when your emotions get out of control, when you are driven from a negative emotional state, that's when you will derail yourself mm. as a leader. So the more that you can learn how to manage those emotions, become aware of them, become of what triggers them, like we were talking about earlier, yeah. and catch it sooner rather than later, the more effective you're going to be. The second thing is to gradually expand your view of who are my stakeholders. Uh, you can't you can't do it overnight, right? I can't go from being the you know uh, an individual contributor to worrying about what's good for my community or humanity. Yeah. But I can do it a step at a time. I can go, well, let me let me step back and make decisions that are good for my team mm -hmm. and maybe are difficult for me, but I, I'll sacrifice and make it for my team. Mm -hmm. That's moving from achievement to more of a purpose orientation. And then you gradually expand that stakeholder audience, if you will, from the team to the division, to the division, to the organization the organization to the community that the organization interacts with. And so it's a stepwise progression, takes time, sure. but you can accelerate it by being aware of it and knowing and being intentional about expanding your stakeholder audience. Mm, I love that. And and it, it sounds like you we're taking the same principle that we talked about earlier and, and not looking at such a macro picture of, of everything and all of the things that we need to do. It's just the one thing. It's kind of like, okay, like the first step is, okay, what's good for the team? What's good for the division? So it's the one thing in front of us that has to, you know, that, that maybe is the cascade then that helps lead to one thing leads to another. I think that's really well said. And I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate things mm -hmm. in in leadership and you know in the world and it's like Absolutely. you know how complicated can i make it so that um you know people need me to to make it happen right well right. you know really leadership i'll say this it's simple but it's not easy it's <laughs> so just true. about building relationships being a good listener um asking good questions um explaining things well and giving good direction and knowing when to listen, when to ask questions, when to explain and when to give direction. And part of that is reading the other people and knowing, okay, you know, what's going on with them? They're frustrated. I need to, I, I can't, if I explain something now, they're not going to hear it. Let me back off. Let me listen. And when a, you know, a fascinating thing happens in the brain of a person that's listened to Mm. The part of the of the of the brain that creates that negative emotional piece that you might call frustration or anger or resentment, yeah. it it begins to calm it. It literally turns the dimmer switch down. When people feel listened to, their emotional volatility reduces. They become open to more information. That's when asking questions can be really powerful. You start asking questions. Um, they get people thinking. People don't like to think. You know, thinking right. takes effort, it and does. so you got to ask questions to kind of crank up that prefrontal cortex. You know, the thinking yeah. part of the brain. Mm. And once you get people thinking, now you start directing that thinking to uh, solving the problem versus complaining about the problem. And so it's kind of a you know it's kind of a, a you know a, a three step process. Listen, mm. get them in the right mood, get them in the right in a receptive mind state 
ask questions and get their thinking processes cranked up and then give them clear direction once you come up with a solution that everyone feels good about. Yeah. And particularly if they come up with the solution and you can guide them to that, they're going to be much more dedicated and invested in making that solution work. And so you don't have to motivate them. They're, they're motivating themselves. And if you know what, what's going on in the brain yeah. and watching people, you know, should I ask a question? Should I listen? Should I give direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really fascinating. And, and I, I, I never thought about that before about what's going on in the brain when I ask a question and calming that part down that's, you know, that's agitated or that's frustrated or what have you. Um, because I'm, I'm a huge advocate of, of asking good questions and, and helping our people to actually think. Um, but they can't think unless they are, are feeling, um, that they're going to be heard and, you know, the things that they're going to say will be, will be received. And so I think that that's a good lesson for a leader. First and foremost, if we see somebody get agitated, we have to stop and, and step back and, and, and ask a good question to be able to calm them down. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a simple question of, Hey, what's going on? What's, what's happening right now? Um, is there, is there something that, yeah. and then being a good listener to that. Right. You know, my, I told you my dad was an engineer. He wanted me to be an engineer so bad he could (laughs) taste it. And I just did not get the math thing. Right. Like math and I just did not connect. And I remember him sitting down with me one day, helping me with my homework, right. My math homework. And you know, bangs his fist on the table and said, son, don't you get it? There's only four things you gotta know how to do in math. You gotta know how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, that's it. That's all you gotta know how to do. Of course, the challenge is you gotta know when to do what, right? You gotta know when to do. Communication is the same way. There's Mm -hmm. only four things you gotta know how to do. Gotta know how to explain, gotta know how to listen, you gotta know how to give direction, and you have to um, know how to ask powerful questions. It's that simple. Now, the hard part is you gotta know when to do which of those. To each of those, and the yeah. answer to that comes in reading your people. And when you see frustration levels rise, you see negative emotion, you go into listening mode. When you see them receptive and you've got them now in a place where they're real ready to problem solve, you start asking questions mm-hmm. um, that are what I call open-ended questions, right? Yeah. Questions that get them thinking and that are solution-focused, not problem-focused, right? Asking the question like, um, so tell me, how did we get, how did we get into this, into this trouble? That's, you know, that's just going to crank up their emotional system. Right. Yeah. But asking the question, what can we do together to solve this? That yeah. creates the more positive emotion gets their thinking. And then once a solution comes in, you go, okay, that sounds like something we could do. Then you go into direction mode and say, mm-hmm. great, go give it a try. Come back to me on Monday and let's talk about how it's working. All right. Yeah, yeah. Now you've taken somebody that's from, you know, frustrated, has a problem, don't know what to do. You've helped them develop their own solution. They're now going to go implement it and they're going to come back to you and say, hey, thumbs up, thumbs down. I need more help. You know, yeah. what? A, that's what a leader does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I, I love this, Steve. This is this is such I mean, you're giving such practical applications 
to a, I think, a subject that can be perceived as big, uh, maybe unknowable, but it really is, I mean, it's something that we can do. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You know, you got a, you got a task list of 20 things on it, but, but if you concentrate on just the, the first one, that's what you need to, to, to do to get the momentum. I think the same thing is true with, with neuroscience, neuropsychology. It's what do I need to, how do I need to use this, implement this in my day-to-day work? And what you just described is learning how to read people and, and understand when to use those elements. And that just takes practice. It takes a little bit of time to really use it. And I, I think that as, as leaders, those are, the, those are the tools that help us to solve the people challenges that, that we all face. Absolutely. And, you know, you just hit on one of the reasons that it's, in, at least in the corporate world, that the focus is not there. It takes time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's what I call the two-hour solution, right? <laughs> um, a technical problem we can solve in two hours yeah. or give people technical training. Sign up for two-hour training course. They walk <laughs> away. They got the skill. Yep. Yeah, people people aren't that easy. You need more than you got to have more than two hours. You got to practice it. You're gonna yep. you're gonna fall flat on your face a couple times. It's you know that stock market. You're gonna have good days and bad days. It's gonna work some days. It's not other. But as long as you keep paying attention to it, you keep working on it. Progress is made. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Steve, um, I, I know that you are writing a book, and I, I, I know it's not done yet, but you're in progress as we're recording this. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you can share just a little snippet or, or what, what's it about? I'm, I'm assuming it's about neuroscience and the psychology um, and, and, and how we apply that in leadership. Tell us a little bit about it. Give us kind of a sneak preview. Yeah, sure. Um, so the working title is Optimal Team Performance, um, with the subtitle being The Power of Neuropsychology to Supercharge Your Leadership. Mm, um, nice. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that as, as, as much as I can geek out on the neuroscience stuff, you get in front of, a, of some business executives and you start, you start talking about the brain, yeah. um, their eyes glaze over and then five <laughs> minutes later they're asleep, right? right. And so I've learned, and this is really what the book is about, is how do we take the, 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 the principles of neuropsychology and apply them in a very practical way mm-hmm. to the day-to-day challenges of being a leader? Mm-hmm. And so it's very practically oriented um, there's a chapter on self-awareness. There's okay. a chapter on effective communication. There's a chapter on how to motivate people. There's a chapter on change. How do we go okay. through change? Yeah, yeah. There's a chapter on building building team cohesion, a chapter on managing conflict. And so I tackle all the big things that a leader needs to know how to do with very practical tools that are based in how we're wired and how we're programmed. And those are powerful tools. Yeah, no doubt about it. So when's uh, when's the book supposed to be out and available? So yeah, so we got a, a target published date of February. All right. And um, and my uh, my 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 editor tells me 
that I'm a slacker if I don't make that date. So he's, <laughs> he's motivating me to get, to get it done. He's giving you that motivation. Oh yeah, I love it. Well, so what I wanna do for our listeners is I wanna be able to just encourage you to reach out to Steve, get connected with him so that you can let us all know then when it is published and we can then go out and get it and, and really dig into this uh, a, a little bit more because I think as leaders, this is an area where we can use the science and psychology to actually create more effectiveness for our leadership journey, for our, for our teams, for our, you know, for our communities as well. As you you know, kind of move the the the, the scope out. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I would definitely appreciate that. I'm you know, I'm in a stage in my career um, that I'm I'm at that purpose oriented stage. I'm trying yeah. to give back, and so the book is an effort towards that. I also have a blog that's called The Neuropsychology of Leadership. Okay. www.theneuropsychologyofleadership.com. Take you right to my blog. Excellent. Um, you know, there's it's free. You can go. You can read about it. There's. Um, I try to keep it succinct and practical to the yeah. point we were talking about earlier. So hopefully your listeners will find value in that as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure that we put a link to that in the show notes. So um, that way people can kind of just go right to it, especially if if they're working out, or if they're driving and they can't, you know, write that down right now, just have them go back to the show notes and we'll um, have that there. So Steve, uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to either know more? Because I know you do, um, you know, some speaking, you also do some coaching and you've had, you know, high level coaching engagements. So I'd love to be able to have people reach out to you and find out how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Yeah, well, that um, that blog address takes you to my webpage, and there's a okay. there's all the information how to contact me is right there. So, it's right yeah. there. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your knowledge and your expertise and your wisdom with us as well, because um, I you shared some really practical ways that we can use this this whole realm of neuroscience, neuropsychology, and um, I'm really grateful for that because that helps us to all grow. Well, I, I told you, I love talking about this stuff. So um, happy to have done it. Thank you for the opportunity to connect with your listeners. Oh, my pleasure. Well, that was such a fascinating conversation. I, I loved the distinction that Steve made between neuroscience and neuropsychology, kind of like the computer and, and the circuitry, uh, the memory board, and, and that being you know analogous to our brain. And then the programming of a computer is is really our mind. And and really how he talked about leadership being um, really an understanding of the hardware and the software of people, the, the, the brain and the mind of people so that we can be successful. And I, I really was fascinated with everything we talked about. But here are just a couple of key takeaways or key thoughts that I think were, were really impactful for me and, and maybe they will be for you as, as well. One of the first things that he said um, was really about the importance of relationships. And so many leaders have um, technical expertise and, and then they get promoted into people leadership. And, and so that's where we have to really gain a self-awareness and, and an understanding of, of our own emotional intelligence um, and, and how we're coming across to other people with our team. And, and so I thought he gave some really great, great and practical tips on 
you know, how to do that, how to gain that self-awareness, how to, how to understand his uh, or our own self-awareness and, and our own emotional intelligence. Um, that was some, some really good insights and some really practical uh, tips there. The other thing that he talked about was around change and how we can use neuroscience and, and neuropsychology really to affect change. Um, and, and I think this is really true, especially as we're starting out here in the, in, in the new year. And we may have four or five goals. Maybe you have six goals, seven goals. Uh, I sure wouldn't get more than eight or 10 goals for sure. Um, and, and actually, I, I, I whittled mine down this year. So I've, I've, I've got five goals and those are my five main objectives. But his practical tips on picking just one thing and only one thing to work on. Just focus on the one thing. And that's a great book too, by the way, <laughs> uh, by Gary Keller um, and Jay Pop- Papazin. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the one thing is a, a great book. Um, but when we, when we focus on those one, that one thing and, and those little changes that we can make in that one area, that then sets off the brain chemicals and and it helps us helps cascade us and propels us and gives us momentum to move and and make that behavior change that that happens over time. And so I I, I thought that that was really key um, to focus on. And and I think if you're a, an emerging leader and you feel like you've got so many different areas that you can work on, just pick one thing. Maybe it's communication for you. Just pick communication or pick one thing that will help move the needle forward for you in that one area and just focus on it. And then check in with, with people on your team, see how you're doing, um, but, but pay attention to um, that one thing and, and how you're, you're making progress. Look at those trends. He talked about looking at trends because behavior change does take time and it's, it's hard to notice um, the, the little changes. The other thing that um, Steve talked about was these key shifts that leaders need to make becoming, you know, task focused versus people and relationship focused, making that change. And so oftentimes we have to, to migrate that change as we get elevated into people leadership. And then I really appreciated his uh, approach at, at talking about achievement orientation versus purpose orientation. Because when we start to look at leadership from the lens of helping other people, helping other leaders and other people to gain their goals and achieve the things that that are important to them, we can really step into a greater a greater purpose. And there's a there's a whole different brain chemistry um, that he he talked about in in the episode. I really really appreciated that. Steve really gave us some practical leadership tools for using uh, neuroscience and neuropsychology, and and really how we can use it for our own uh, optimization of our of our own performance, and also you know gaining optimal team performance as well. Now I know that we uh, recorded this uh, a little while ago, and his target of February for his new book uh, was was talked about then. And uh, if you want to just go to his blog to check out some of the things that he's written about and connect with Steve, I would really uh, recommend that you do that. www.theneuropsychologyofleadership.com. 
And we'll make sure that link is in the show notes as well. So, hey, thanks so much for tuning in once again uh, for another In the Growth Space podcast. I hope that you'll be back with us next time. Make sure that you subscribe. And if you would, leave a review and a rating. That would really mean the world to us. And if you would, if this if this uh, this episode, if this podcast has been meaningful to you, I would love for you to just to share it with one other person. You know, just hit the, the, the share button on your podcast app, send it to a friend, a colleague that it might uh, help and, and, and benefit. I'd really appreciate it. We want to just continue to grow our impact and, and help as many people and as many leaders as we possibly can. So until next time, remain in that growth space and be well. Mm-hmm.